Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Skilled Trades Playbook. I'm your host, Juan Caroso, author of the At Your Best Playbook series. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Spence Rogers. He's the co-owner of Rain City Plumbing. Spence dropped out of college after a couple of years when he realized that college wasn't for him, so he started a career as a plumber and is now running a thriving business in Seattle. Spence, given that you're one of my son's best friends, I know a little bit about you, but why don't you tell me your story, how you came to become the owner of Rain City Plumbing? Well, I started uh, out of high school not thinking at all about the trades. Uh, Both of my parents are college educated and uh, my mom was a professor and my dad is a doctor. And I thought typically, you know, go into college right out of high school. I did that. Um, I dropped out after one semester of going to Washington State University. Um, and I started to realize that college might not be the best path for me. Um, I don't just don't think I was quite ready for that. I, again, tried to continue my education over a couple of years. Um, doing community college at various colleges in Seattle, as well as doing work like bartending and, um, you know, serving. And I did a service riding at a car dealership for a while. Um, I was trying really hard to continue to do school and just time and time again, felt like it wasn't working. Um, during that period, I had a really good friend. Um, that is a uh, like fourth generation plumber. His great grandpa, his grandpa, his dad, and himself were all all plumbers. And he'd have been tugging my shirt a little bit, saying, "Hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come do this? Why don't you come out and plumb with me and give it a try?" And eventually, I was kind of at a crossroads where I was realizing I'm really not going to probably finish a degree, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I even had considered going into um, you know the Navy or some type of armed forces and. Um, finally, I just decided to give plumbing a try with a good friend of mine who's now actually my business partner at Brand City Plumbing. Yeah, it went great. So I um, I got a job working uh, commercial plumbing. Um, it was pretty low wage and really hard work, much harder work than anything I had done previously. But I realized very quickly that I enjoyed it. I was happy. I liked the hard work. I liked being able to, you know, watch a project go from start to finish and um, the fulfilling, you know, feeling that I got from being able to do things. Um, it was, it was good. So, um, so that's where it started. Uh, so I started doing commercial plumbing, uh, just really a lot of labor, um, a lot of, uh, you know, hammer and nail puller and a big drill to plug holes through buildings and, um, a lot of concrete chipping and some pretty pretty hard labor work. Um, and then you sort of try to steal the knowledge as much as you can from the people around you and uh, just learn as fast as you can so that way you can move up. So um, I pretty quickly uh, started doing some of the more um, technical work and a little less of the labor work. Um, and then as I developed the craft, um, I switched from commercial plumbing um, over into residential plumbing, um, where I started with a new company and I did, um, really, um, high end custom homes, um, new builds, remodels. Um, during that time, I also did a little bit of like side sewer work and, um, 
pretty much just a little bit of everything. Um, after about, uh, six years or so of doing that, um, my friend and I started Rain City Plumbing together and been doing it ever since. And it's been good. That's fantastic. Uh, I got to tell you that uh, this is quickly becoming one of my favorite episodes because you've hit on so many important topics that I am now even more looking forward to the uh, to this conversation. I'm not kidding. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I believe you, but thanks. <laughs> You're interesting in a lot of different ways. Let's start with the concept that you are this millennial person out there that doesn't want to work and you've just blown that through the blown a hole through that where you basically said you know you're you're all that everybody describes but you're nothing like that you're basically saying i took the bull by the horns and i built a career and i'm starting a a small business based on hard work and focus and so on that to me is critically important to get out there because that it's not getting beyond the noise that, you know, the talking about millennials, millennials, individuals are the ones making the decisions and individuals are the ones that look at this opportunity that is out there and say, if the, if there's such a shortage that represents a tremendous opportunity, I'm going to make something of that opportunity. And that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it was, um, not that, uh, you know, it was more short-sighted than that. Um, I didn't realize quite what it would lead into, of course, uh, but I just started doing it and quickly found a love for it and built it into this. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a good opportunity. Great. Um, can I ask, and, and this, if this goes down a rat hole that you don't want to uh, touch on, can we talk a little bit about how it went with your parents when you've got a doctor and a professor and their son is choosing to go the route of the skilled trades. Was that, uh, how much of a negotiation was that? <laughs> not, not too much of a negotiation. Uh, so actually, uh, during high school, I think my dad realized that he might, so my dad's from Iowa, you know, he was a, he was a farm boy. He, he was like one of the only people, um, in his family to, um, go to college and decide to go that route. So he's come from, you know, a different kind of line himself. Uh, and so he was, you know, coming out of high school thinking, Hey, you know, college might not be for you. He says, you know, it may be, it may not be, but actually right as I graduated high school, he advised me to take a year or two off before jumping into college because he could see I wasn't ready. Um, of course I was too stubborn to listen to that. And I was just like, no, no, I want to get this done. And, you don't know what you're talking about. This is going to be fine. And no, he was totally right though. Um, so actually that was not too much of a problem. I think that he, he knew me pretty well and realized, um, that this was a good fit for me. When I finally did decide to do this, he said, you know, that's, that's a great, that's a great trade. That's a great industry. Um, I think that's a really good idea. So he was fully supportive. Um, my mom was a little different. My mom wanted me to go to college. Um, she had no idea about, yeah, the, the skilled trades is being a viable opportunity for her son, you know, to build a good and healthy career in life. Um, so she was a little more hesitant, um, but she is also extremely supportive and loving in anything that I do. So she was willing to, of course, let me um, do, you know, as, as I'd like, but she was definitely a little more nervous about um, me making that transition and just saying, hey, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to get a four-year degree, and I'm really going to go for this. That's that's tremendous to hear. I think when you hear all the 
all the bad press that that college education with all the student debt and all the horseplay that is now being talked about, and then the return on investment being so questionable for those who go into college and don't really have a sense as to where they want to take it or a desire to really take hold of that education and turn it into something else. It's important to know that for some people, there are better alternatives than that education that may not turn into a great career, whereas you can earn while you while you learn doing the work that you, as you said, you loved it right from the start. Loved it, yeah. And you're totally right. I mean, it's, it's paid to learn. It's basically paid to go to college. I mean, it is, the tradesman will tell you, it's the original four-year degree. I mean, you that's pretty much what it takes to go from apprentice to journeyman. And the entire time, I mean, you're a sponge. You're just absorbing information and getting paid to do it. But, you know, it, the, it's important to recognize that it's a college career that actually makes you work for the opportunity to become a successful plumber, in this case, or an electrician or a carpenter or whatever. You're, you're that sponge, but you got to work your butt off. And oh, yeah. And reasons definitely. to do it and value to it. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely have to work. You have to be work hard. You can't be afraid to work. So, I mean, even now as like a business owner, um, it's like one of the first things I tell people. Right? We we currently hire about really almost five plumbers to get one good plumber. Um, and I I tell people during all of the interviews, if this is going to be what you make it. You can make as much out of this as you want, or you can screw off and not pay attention and you know, come in late and, you know, not care and just think about it as a paycheck and you're not going to go anywhere and you're not going to do yourself any favors. And I really try to explain that to people that we bring in. Um, so they know what they're getting themselves into. It's not, it's not easy. It's, it's definitely hard work. And, um, if you're smart and you work hard at it though, it definitely pays off. And so I try to tell people that and people are pretty receptive to it early. Um, and then they'll unfortunately kind of start to see their, their true colors shine and sometimes they can't uh, they can't get it together to to muster up you know wanting to come in every single day monday through friday to you know go do manual labor you know for the first couple of years you're 30 years old or 31 you're not that far removed from that time where you were going through that four-year process of apprentice to uh journeyman did you also go to were you associated with some program outside uh, either um, through a union or uh, one of the trade schools or was it all absorption working hand in glove with a with a journeyman and master plumber out there yeah uh, more more the latter um, so every plumber at least you know I can only speak for Washington State we were we are required whether union or private company to do continued education um, so every single year um, I had to do at least 16 hours of continued education courses on plumbing and electrical and even excavation and just related uh, materials. Um, but it is, it's pretty minimal in comparison to how many you know hours you clock on the field training. So it's much more you're learning from a journeyman, you're learning from a master plumber. Um, but no matter what, there is continued education. Uh, and I did not do any... Um, was not associated with any type of union, um, to answer your question, or any type of um, collegiate uh, trade school or anything like that. I was much more learning from journeymen and master plumbers. 
That's the other thing that's important to recognize. The uh, you know certain trades you can you don't have to go and go to a vocational school. That's not to say that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, that's a, you know a structured program, whether it's with uh, sponsored by a union or some other uh, an employer or so on, um, is certainly there. The opportunity to build your own and grow your own career the way you want to see it done and and do it on your own dime is clearly possible and uh, obviously you've done it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'd say um, at least around the area and the people I've known, um, it's more common. Um, the union certainly do a lot more schooling within the union, uh, which, is, which is good too. So let's talk about that, uh, that millennial out there. There's so much bad press. There's so much noise about people not wanting to work or not ha- being entitled and, and all of that. You're hiring. You, you go through the process of seeing these guys, looking them straight in the eye, and you've, you've built a successful business. We'll get to that in a minute because I spent some time reading your Yelp reviews, and either your mom is writing these reviews or you guys are doing some really, really good stuff out there. So let's talk about that in a little later. Let's go back to the, that millennial. What what do you look for? How do you go through the process of selecting folks to jump on your on your crews and and be successful and help you continue getting those Yelp reviews? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, at any given time, um, our needs are different. Um, there are times like right now, our biggest need would be add another journeyman level piece. Um, but uh, we also hire you know people that. In the industry, you say they're green um, is typically an expression for somebody who has no experience. Um, so we, at different times, are looking for different levels of guys. Um, certainly, the far more experienced guys are harder to come by. So you're almost always looking for those guys, whether you need it or not, because if you can find a good one, it's like, a, you know, it's a unicorn. You know, if you can find a really good guy that's got that level of experience, it's, it's crucial to yeah, build the company and build the Yelp reviews and all of that. So um, when, I'm, when we're looking for people, uh, typically, um, you know, just like looking for customers, um, you know, it's word of mouth. Uh, essentially, I've tried to, we try to build the brand not only to attract new customers, but to attract new employees. So we try to treat our guys really, really well. Um, and that, of course, starts with money. But it also starts with, you know, letting people be themselves, um, treating them like adults, you know, not not nickel and dime in their break times and just hoping that they can go out there, do a good job, get the good, you know, get it done in a good amount of time. And if they're doing those things, then you don't have to micromanage them as much and hassle them as much. And those kind of things, I feel like, make them happy. Um, I think we're kind of like a family environment. And then they're telling the other people who they know who are plumbers say, Hey, this is a good place to work. You know, they pay me well. They're, they're real cool guys. Um, it's a pleasant environment. You know, we're happy. You gotta be happy going to work. So, um, that's a big thing of building the brand for employees as well as customers. Um, so there's that. And then above and beyond that, we can, um, do things like we'll do a lot of like Craigslist ads. Um, so we'll just go on Craigslist and we'll say, um, you know, looking for this type of skill set. Um, you know, here's some of the benefits, here's like the, the, you know, pay scale. And, um, we just try to field phone calls that way. And 
we'll talk to a few people and bring a couple of them in for interviews and um, just try to get a vibe, you know, number one, do they, do they know what they say they're knowing? Um, it's pretty easy for me to tell somebody's experience level from talking to them. So if somebody says, Oh, I can design a plumbing system for a house all by myself, head to toe. And I come in and you talk to them for five minutes. I'm going to know if they can do that or not. Um, so I, I look to see that they're being honest and that um, they're good people because you can train people to be good plumbers, especially if they're good people. And that's like our whole model and our mission statement is we want to do high quality plumbing by high quality people. And I want customers to be able to trust us to be in their houses when they're not there and know that we're just going to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. So that's number one is to try to make sure that the people we're bringing in are, are good people at heart. And then from there, we kind of gauge their skill level and um, just make sure that we have, you know, it's the right fit at the right time. Cause we, you know, we need a certain amount of journeymen to a certain amount of apprentices and we need that various skill level um, within the company. So we try to fill whatever holes we have at that time. In writing the book series, the At Your Best book series that I got published back in December of 2018, I interviewed 34 very successful tradespeople, contractors on all sides of each of the seven trades that uh, I covered in these books. And invariably, they I would hear two things as a common issue. One, we're successful because we make the we made the transition from um, being a a very successful craftsman at our particular trade, and then we made the transition to a business person, running a business, starting a business, focusing on the right things that will make the business successful. Not everybody has that skill set to make that transition. That's one issue. The other issue that you spoke to that that was also very pertinent uh, was you've got to find, to be successful in this business, you've got to find people who not only have the skills, that's a, that, that can be taught, but it's all the soft skills, showing up on time, being a good person, being honest, all those elements of being a successful business requires people who help you be successful. And so those two things, one, that transition from a from a craftsman, tradesperson to a business person. I'd like you to talk about that, and then we can talk about the soft skills later. Yeah, yeah, I'd happy to talk about that. Um, that's a big struggle for me, and it's something that I do every day. Is tell myself what I want to be doing is I want to still I want to still plumb. I want to still do more design systems and you know, read into the latest technology and be able to teach people all of the plumbing. Um, and I do that still, but what I also struggle with and tell myself regularly is I need to kind of hand that off a little bit. We have other good journeymen. I have other good plumbers that can teach the new guys. I need to be focusing more on running the business and making that transition. Is that exactly like you're saying? And I, so I do things, um, you know, constantly like, um, uh, read, you know, read books about taxes for small business or, uh, you know, just uh, constantly focusing and talking to people who actually have ran other businesses. Um, I have a few uh, kind of 
golf buddies, I guess, if you will, that are uh, some older guys who own and have run different businesses for years. And um, I've talked to them a bunch. And uh, yeah, I mean, making that transition from being focused on perfecting your craft when your craft is plumbing or whatever it may be, to then perfecting your new craft, what your new craft needs to be running a business um, is, is tough. Um, definitely tough. So uh, I guess just, yeah, you just got to work at it, I suppose. Well, it, you know, the, the interesting thing, as I had these conversations with all these really successful folks in the trades, um, the end result was no one had the right answer. No one had the only answer. And so in talking with them, I ended up identifying a best of breed book in each one of the areas, whether it was in um, how to do the back office. I found a great book there and how to do leadership for small teams or customer service or some of the, you know, just the, the key components to running a business. And so, you know, the, the, it, no one has all the answers, but there are some best of breed resources out there that can really help you. And I, obviously, you're doing a great job of getting getting your hands on those. Yeah, and like you're saying, I mean that's exactly what I would like to do and try to do, which is read books about it. Who have people who have done things like leadership? Leadership's a big thing. That's really tough. I realize I realized that after a while of how hard it is to be an effective good leader. Um, it's really hard to make everybody want to follow you. And sure, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, you know, oh, well, he's my boss, you know, and yeah, I got to do whatever he says. He writes my paycheck. But um, you really need people to, like, believe in you and believe in the direction that you're taking the company. And that's like, that is leadership. And that's, and it's tough. Here's three books that I would recommend to you. If you haven't read them, you should, you should pick them up. Number one the the most succinct, cleanest, clearest uh, book I've ever read in terms of the setting up the back office and all elements of issues related to a small business that I've ever found. It's a, it's called Small Time Operator by a guy named Bernard. Uh, I forgot his name. Kamaroff. Bernard Kamaroff. You if you don't have that book, you've got to get it. Because not only does he give, um, th does he just cover all the pieces and parts. It's like on the 13th, 14th edition. It, it, it's a constantly being updated for new tax law and all things related to um, the issues related. The, all, all things that you do need to know on how to start and run a small business. So small time operator for, for small team leadership. You know, being able to figure out what you as a as a leader of a small team where you're participating in the work, like you're you still want to get your hands in the plumbing and help these guys, but you know that you have to lead the guys as well. There's a book, and I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's Extreme Ownership. Read that read that book, and I gotta tell you, there are there are lessons in there that you walk away going, of course that's how you do it. Anyway, um, a guy by the name of Jocko Willink, he's a Navy SEAL, and uh, I'm sure you've heard of him, but, but his book is a quick read, it's easy to understand, and it just, each one of those lessons kind of hits you right in the heart. 
And then the last book, which is really quirky and strange to read, but you walk away saying in, in the hour and a half that it takes you to read it, you, get, you understand exactly what you need to do with regards to customer service for you and your team. And it's called um, uh, Raving Fans. It's been around for a long time, but, but Raving Fans by Ken Blanchard and a guy named Sheldon Bowles. Those three books, I've got a couple other books in there for, yeah, there's a Guerrilla Marketing Remix is kind of a summary, and it's much broader than just marketing. It's, it's business development, it's, um, it's sales, it's networking, all on a shoestring budget. So that as a, as a leader of your team of plumbers, you also have to run the business and business development, I've got to believe is, yeah, everybody's business, but it's your business. And so those four books um, are, I think, the, a fantastic set of resources that you can use and keep, in your, keep on your shelf whenever you're dealing with a new issue in, in your business. Uh, I read a book called Duct Tape Marketing um, that was really good. Um, and that touched on pretty much, kind of like you're saying, as uh, you know, you're not in the plumbing business, you're in the marketing business that sells plumbing, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, yeah, it's in every aspect of everything you do. Um, so those books definitely touch on more than just, uh, just what it sounds like. And then the other book that I was reading on leadership was the book my wife gave me. I couldn't remember the name on it. I just grabbed it now. It's called the coaching habit. Um, that's, that's a pretty good one, but, but yeah, I'm definitely going to look into those, those that you mentioned. Let's get back to those Yelp reviews. Each one of them is glowing. Um, how, uh, how do you manage your business so that your customers are as happy as they are? Yeah, that's a great question. That's... Uh, it, it's a softball question, no. but uh, there, there, there's got to be something well deep inside there. No, there is. And actually, that's something that I think about um, regularly. And I think that I do a really good job of you know, what my idea is behind that, which I'll touch on. But well, basically what I do is I... I develop friendships, you know, then that is like the best way to do customer service. I, I think is when, if somebody hires us for a project because of how much I focus on communication, because contractors have the worst name when it comes to communication with their customers, people are always left feeling like, when is this guy coming back? Where are we at? What's happening with this project? And no contractors really communicate enough. I mean, you really can't do it too much. So, um, I try to almost make it so that I develop a friendship. So when a project is over, we, as a course of business relationship and both sides recognize that, but I also want it to feel like you're calling your friend spent. And if you, and I answer phone calls and this isn't going to be scalable probably forever, but I mean, it's like I become their friend. I answer their phone calls any time of day, I answer questions. I help them try to walk them through stuff. If it's something, if they call me with a problem that um, I think they could probably even tackle with a little bit of help with me over the phone, if they're so inclined and save the money of me sending plumbers out there. I mean, I do that for people. I just literally, every turn I try to think about their best interest. Um, so we, we provide, you know, really good customer service and we provide really good work and we charge for the service and the work. Um, but I want people to, you know, be less feeling like, um, you know, they're getting good value. And so 
yeah, basically just creating friendships with each and every customer has like been, I think the key to success of happy customers, returning customers, getting reviews. Um, we have not solicited, like I haven't told, Hey, will you leave me a nice review or anything? We just hundred percent leave it up to them if they want to review us or leave us feedback. Um, but I'm confident that they're going to say something nice because we have developed a friendship and, you know, in a way, if you can even get to a personal level with them like that, where they feel really comfortable with you, I think they in some ways would also be a little bit, um, you know, would almost feel bad to leave a bad review in a way too. So in, in some sense, maybe they'd want it if they felt like something was wrong, they maybe just even want to call you and talk about it and have you fix it or make it right to them before they would ever go leave a bad review, which is really important too. You know, I mean, things, it, this is complicated stuff. Bad things occasionally do happen, but it's how you handle it once it does happen that keeps them from just slamming you on the internet, which is really, you know, really bad for your business. Sounds perfectly logical to me. It's clearly, you know, it's easier said than none, obviously. Yeah, well, it's tough. I mean, you have to really be, be willing to be there for people. Not a lot of people are willing to, yeah, communicate with the customer as much as I'm, I'm willing to do it. In fact, I'd say most people are not willing to. Um, I mean, I, I literally, yeah, big projects, big or small. I mean, I will talk to somebody, answer every single last one of their little questions. Uh, if they're wondering about something at 8 p.m., I mean, I take customers' phone calls at 8 o'clock at night. My wife doesn't love it, but I'll do it, you know, and it helps. How many plumbers <laughs> do you have on staff? We have right now five plumbers on staff. We have three journeymen. men and uh, two apprentices and then six including myself so um occasionally that's the other thing is you know which i probably need to get away from but if we are like falling behind on projects yeah i'll get out there if i have to work in the afternoon or we work weekends i'll do it you know basically we we make sure that we deliver all of our timelines on all of our projects and if that involves me getting out there and doing some of the work we i'll do it so um so we, we have at any given time yeah five to six plumbers that's fantastic. Spence, you're, it, it sounds to me like you've got all the everything heading in the right direction. You've got your head on straight. That's great. That's absolutely great. It sounds, uh, I, you know, obviously it's hard work. Obviously it's challenging, certainly in the Seattle market with the demands it's, uh, that it has with the construction taking place. It's got to be difficult to find folks to, to join your team, but um, clearly you're doing a lot of things right. Yeah, I, I have a I have a bit of advice too if anybody's getting into getting into the trade. Um, Absolutely, that was my next question. What did what advice do you have for folks thinking about uh, entering the trade? So you start like we were talking about earlier, as you know, your low level, your labor, you're doing a lot of the grunt work. You need to do that and do it hard. You need to earn respect of the people around you. I mean, that's step one is get in there. Do the things like to show up on time, work hard, and earn respect of your peers. And that can be hard sometimes because it means maybe pushing your ego aside. You can't feel like in the early stages like you're too good for one task or another task. You really need to do the hard work and earn the respect of people around you. Um, be humble, you know, because um, that'll go a long ways. Because uh, once you've earned their respect, um, when people start talking about you in a good fashion, that's how you move up and that's how you get the next opportunity. So you, that's really important. Um, the other thing that you can do like right away is recognize that there's always something to do. 
one of the biggest problems I see with new guys. And some guys, it's not a problem, and other guys, it is. So it's hit or miss. But if you can point it out to them and they can see it, it's huge for the success is that there's always something to be done. So if you find yourself often out on a job, standing there with your hands in your pockets and not knowing what to do, you need to figure out in those moments what is there that you should be doing because there is always something. And if you can't figure it out, you need to ask people because that is huge. You need to constantly be working. There's always something to organize, to clean up, whether it's on the job, whether it's in the van, there's always something you can be doing. And those are important things that you're working hard and that people see that. Um, that's a huge opportunity to grow is when people say, wow, this guy's, this guy's always moving. The guys that are standing there and want to go take an extra smoke break or put their hands in their pockets and say, well, nobody's telling me what to do. I don't know what to do. That's, you're not going to go anywhere very fast. You have to learn quickly what you should be doing in those moments that you don't know what to do. And you can ask people too. People will be happy to tell you. Usually. Um, and then just try to learn everything as early as possible. Um, the faster you learn, you know, the, the more you'll grow, the farther you'll go. I mean, that was definitely a secret to my success is the knowledge. You don't, don't worry about every making one extra dollar an hour, you know, here or there, just figure out where you can put yourself to learn the most, the quickest. Um, once you do that, uh, you got to figure out how to be one step ahead. That's the next thing is when you are almost ready to be an installer and to start really doing some real plumbing, it's when you're working with your journeyman and you know what he's going to do next before he does it. And that is really important. And that is what will make everybody you're working with love you is if you can anticipate one, two, three moves ahead of them and have what they're going to need, the next parts they're going to need, move the, you know, the, the ladder to another area that they're going to be working in. Just notice, Oh, he's missing this and he's going to need that here in three steps from now and grab it and set it over there. Like, so that's when you know you're, re- you're about ready to start the install is when you know what somebody's going to need two, three steps before they need it. Um, and then basically once you get all that knowledge um, and you're ready to start doing some of the install, the, with plumbing, there's sectors. So the biggest sectors are there's commercial plumbing, um, which is here, anything over three stories, but you know, you could be, it could be a bank. It could be a multifamily apartment building in the union. Maybe it's hospitals or, uh, you know, really big projects. That's the commercial sector. So that sector is good because it's clean work. Usually, um, a lot of people like that aspect of it, that they're never dealing with like a crawl space. Um, they're never dealing with, uh, you know, kind of a tight, tricky remodel, you know, they, some people really like that aspect. Um, for me, I didn't like that as much because it got repetitive, but you should know about the sectors and know which one you want to do. The next would be a residential sector, um, which is pretty obvious. Mostly it's, you know, homes, remodels, um, you know, new bit, new construction homes, that kind of thing, um, which is mostly what we do and what I found myself liking because you're designing all of your own plumbing systems. You know, when you start come to a home, you figure out how the plumbing is going to work in that home and you design it and you install it Um, versus the commercial side of it. Usually somebody else is doing the design part, um, but then you'll do the install. So there's some differences there. Um, The service sector, that's your typical, like somebody has a freeze leak and their pipes burst or they have a leaky P trap under the sink or their water heater blows out or, um, 
you know, any kind of minor, like, you know, typical things that a homeowner would experience where they say, Oh man, I've got this problem and I need a plumber. That's the service sector. So, um, that can be a good sector as well. That's typically commission based. Um, so some guys who really like to do the sales uh, aspect of things and really want to sell jobs, that's a good, a good sector to get into those guys that don't like the sales, uh, sales at all. And, um, don't want to have to do any of that. It's probably not the sector for you. Um, lastly, there's sewer. Uh, sewer is a pretty big sector as well. Um, sometimes they don't have licensed plumbers doing sewer. Um, in Washington state, you don't have to be licensed to do sewer. Um, but, uh, you can be, um, and that's another sector that, um, is really hard work, uh, typically a little more pay up front. So a new guy might make a little more, but the ceiling is probably a little lower as well. Um, and it's, it's usually an element, you know, that's something to think about as well. It's really, it's a lot of outdoor work, um, a lot of digging, uh, not my favorite sector, the one I typically recommend for people, but, um, you know, if you can learn it really well and become an expert at that craft, um, those jobs are big money. Um, so, you know, if your goal is to kind of start, start something on your own eventually and you're willing to put, you know, six, seven years in doing that and becoming an expert in sewer. I mean, they're, they're big money jobs. So that's, that's a good opportunity. Um, so basically once, once you do that, those are the main sectors, at least in this area, figure out what sector you want to be in. And then once you're in that sector, keep going, learn everything you can about that. And then once you have that focus point, um, you can start, you know, running projects, you know, being a lead, whether it's a foreman or a commercial job or, whether it's um, somebody who's going to go and, you know, project manage uh, multiple houses that people are doing, um, or if you're going to start your own business and uh, do whichever, you know, craft you learned the most, you know, and do something like that. Um, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what, what I would recommend is uh, basically at first don't know, you don't necessarily need to worry too much about which sector you land in, just find a good opportunity um, and get the basic skills. No matter what, you're going to always have to know how to, you know, your best friend is going to be your hammer and your nail puller and your whole hog drill. And, uh, you're going to have to learn those before you learn anything. And then you start getting some of the basic knowledge. And then once you're a couple years in, then really start thinking about what sector you want to be in and then really find a company that fits with your goals and go from there. Wow. Well, I'll tell you, I interviewed and had conversations with 34 folks. I should have made it 35. I should have, I should have asked Adam to have you and me connect on your thoughts about the whole field of plumbing. You, you succinctly laid out a game plan that I'm glad I'm, I'm at least capturing in the, uh, on this podcast. But uh, at some point, if there's a second edition of, the, of my plumbing book, I will definitely incorporate a lot of what you just laid out. I only have one more question. What advice would you give your younger self? And given that you're 30 years old, sometime not too long ago, what advice would you have given your younger self to learn faster or avoid altogether? It could be in your professional field or it can be life in general. Good question. Yeah, that's the toughest one yet. Um, I think what I would have told myself, uh, attitude. That, that's the one thing maybe that I would have gone back and said, Hey, um, stay, just stay, stay more positive. Uh, you know, just ha have a really good attitude in whatever you're doing. The older I get, um, the more I realize that, um, all the little stuff day to day, 
um, all the stresses that you have, whether it's, you know, running a small business or working in a corporate environment or, you know, really, you know, grinding a minimum wage job. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of stress out there. Um, and I think that I would have told myself to have a better attitude and, um, don't, don't worry. Don't worry so much. Just, just keep, keep chugging along, keep doing the things that you know you're supposed to be doing and just enjoy, enjoy your family and friends and don't, don't let the stresses get to you as much. Look, Fence, I got to tell you, like I said, your conversation number 22, and I've kind of laid out my release schedule of who comes next and all of that. Uh, you just screwed it all up. <laughs> what you've laid out for me is so valuable so valuable. Um, I'm going to get it out there as soon as possible. So it'll be episode 13 or 14. Uh, 12 are out, out there already, but depending on how quickly I can edit it and get it out there, um, I want it out there because as far as I'm concerned, it's still the American dream. We still can pursue it, but you just got to work your ass off at it and have the attitude to make it happen. And you clearly do. I, I don't have any more questions for you, my friend. I, I got to tell you, I, this is more than I could have ever hoped for. Good, yeah. Well, I'm, I, hope, I hope that's true, and uh, I'm glad I, could, glad I could talk. And honestly, talking about some of this stuff um, helps, you know, helps a person think about it you know, in other ways that when you're not saying it out loud, you know, maybe you're not really processing it as much. So um, it's good for me, too. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Skill Trades Playbook and hearing from Spence. I'm going to make it a point to get back to him periodically and get him back on the on the podcast. Please feel free to contact me with any comments or any ideas you might have on improving the skill trades playbook. You can contact me on Twitter, send your note to at AYB Careers, or you can send me an email to jcarosso at atyourbest.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't done it already so you can continue receiving these episodes of the Skill Trades Playbook. Thanks a lot. Have a good one.